Jesus describes a sin. And it was a lasting sin. It was the final judgment. In his final discourse, Jesus puts into words the very message he has put into action. And that action that he puts, those words he spoke and put into action, is what I call love for the least. Yeah. And let's see what he says in Matthew chapter 25. Verse number 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. Just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you looked me in. You took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you? Or test you and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, Answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then you will also say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angel. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not take care of me. Then, they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or without clothes, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? Then he will answer them, I show you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me either. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. From this scripture we saw in the last chapter, the significance of the final judgments. We saw in certainty that there is no doubt about the fact that Jesus will return. Yeah. We saw it's, we saw it in totality from what he said there. And he says every tribe, every color, every language, every race, whether you are low or high, whether you are young or old, male and female, singles and married, he says we all will show up on that day. Yes. I love the way Hugh J. Peterson puts it in the message Bible. And he says, then all nations will be arrayed before him, and he will sort the people out. I love that. Much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right 
and go to his left. Everyone basically will be there on that day. Nobody will be missing. This morning we have some of our brothers and sisters, members of this church, perhaps that are not here. But on this day, everybody will be there. And that's why I titled it, A Day Is Coming. Yes. Yes. We saw its finality. For on that day, Jesus will separate the Bible says he will separate the sheep from the goats, the good from the wicked. That day is suddenly going to come. Come on. And what is the point? On what basis will he make his selection? What will be his criteria for those who will be goats and those who will be sheep? And this way, the answer may surprise you. What did he say? I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was alone and away from home and you invited me into your house. I was without clothes and you gave me something to wear. I was sick and you stopped up visits. NIV says you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Six easy to do challenge. Yeah. I yeah. call it six easy to do challenge. Come on. What is a sign of the saved? What do we say as a church as a sign of the saved? We say in the church that if you repent and you get baptized, your sins will be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you are saved. And rightly so. But in these final judgments, that is not where it's going to end. That's right. Come on. Chef. That is not the sign of the saved. Come on. As a final statement. In fact, I guess it is going to be their scholarship that will make them say, say no. Or is it the willingness to go on mission team that will be the one that is the sign of the saved? Certainly not. Is it the ability to amass an audience and volumes and preach those the numbers of sermons will preach? That is not going to count. Perhaps it will be the skillful pens and whole, hopeful volumes of things we've written down. Or perhaps those who believe, who performs miracles, says, I did great miracles. Maybe that will be the sign of the same. Or the statistics of conversion will that. But the Bible says none of these will be the sign of the same on this day. All of these are great things. But the sign of the same is their love for the least. That's right. It's a love we have for the least, not the greatest, but the least. And you know that these are not one of our characteristics of a disciple. Come on. I saw the Bible with people and I said, let me show you what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Yes. A disciple is a fisher of men. A disciple must be ready to deny himself, like my wife did. This. Yep. What about those six easy to do things? Yep. Come on. How do I judge a spiritual church? What is the sign of a spiritual church or a church that is doing well? I used to think it's the statistics. Mm -hmm. no. And we don't we do not evaluate spirituality by the list that I gave above. You don't get to say, well, I want to know whether you are spiritual. How many times have you asked somebody in your home? Those are not what we look at. As a preacher, as a minister, I say, I want to look at, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? 
Are you studying the Bible with people? Are you bringing in people to the kingdom of God? Great things, great stuff. God expects that from us. And we must do all of those. But if we don't love the least, right. we could do all of those and still fall short. That's right. Come on. Jay. Or the least of those will be on his right side. Wow. Come on. Those who are on the right hand of God will be those who give food to the hungry. Those who give drinks to the tested, warmth to those that are lonely, close to the shivering, comfort for the sick, and friendship to the imprisoned and the outcasts. Yes. And for us in Nigeria, we will never, never, never forget this church. Almost about 10 years ago, you guys put things together and you shipped it down to Nigeria. <coughs> And so many hundreds of people were praying for this church. Back home, we know the Staten Island region more than we know any other church in the entire world because of that singular act of love you showed for us. But is it going to be once and for all? Do you still show love for the least, not just in Nigeria, but even amongst yourself here? That's right. Come on. The sign of the same is their love for the least. Yes. Last year, something incredible happened. We talked about visiting the prison and we started the prison ministry back in Abuja. Regularly we go and I will minister to about 200 prison inmates. And you just need to see them come together and praise and worship God right in that cell. There are all kinds of prisoners, you know, hardened criminals, all sorts. But they will come and I will preach and disciples will just say that they will worship God even in their lack of having freedom to get out of that four walls. And they will begin to pay attention to them one after the other. What can we do for you? What can we do for that one? Some of them are in prison, not for, not for any wrong they've done. It's just that they are unfortunate. Sometimes life is not fair, right. if not all the time. Right. right. And you wonder, what are you doing here? Some of them are there, they committed crime, but they've changed. But the policy does not believe in their repentance. They must be there and serve their sentence. So we say, what can we do as a church? How can we be of him? How can we be like Jesus? So we deploy legal services and give them legal services. We pay the government. Some of them have a fine as, as fine as, as small as about five dollars and they're in prison for months. Wow. Yeah, five dollars. They couldn't afford to pay, we call it about a thousand or two thousand naira. So they just put money together. And to the glory of God, ten of them were set free. On account of what the church did Amen. for them. I have the videos of these prisoners. Awesome. Did you know how simple? How simple the works are. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Did you know how Jesus didn't say, as I would expect him to have said, that I was sick and you healed me? He didn't say that. He didn't demand of us that he was in prison and we made him escape or disappear from prison. You remember the story of the book of Acts, how Peter walked out of prison just like that. The angel opened the door 
Jesus was not demanding of that from us. He didn't say, I was lonely and you built me a retirement home. He wasn't expecting that from us. Neither did he say, I was thirsty and you dug a well for me. No fanfare. No media covering. No hotline, nothing. Just good people doing good things. And when we do good things to others, we do good things to God. Yes, yes. I read about a man called Francis of Assisi. His other name is Giovanni Di Petro. He's an Italian guy. He was a son of a wealthy merchant who renounced his parents' wealth in favor of serving God through a simpler life of poverty and devotion. Francis began to beg for stones to repair a ruined church. And as the work of restoration progressed, he meditated on the scripture. He watched leper souls. He sought to follow Christ completely and began to preach repentance and faith. And his church life, the church life of Francis of Assis, you know, attracted other rich young men who renounced their wealth and formed a brotherhood at a small city in, in Italy. And when Francis of Assis, Assisi turned his back on wealth to seek God, in simplicity, he stripped naked and walked out of the city where his father had all the wealth. And as he was going, his son encountered a leper on the side of the road and he passed in. Then he stopped and went back and embraced this diseased skin man. And Francis continued, after embracing him, he continued to walk on his journey. After a few steps, he turned to look again at the leper. And what did he see? No one was there. And for the rest of his life, Francis of Assisi believed the leper was Jesus Christ. And he may have been true. Yeah. He may have been right. What, what, what is that point? Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Savior, lives in the forgotten. That's right. He has taken up residence in the ignored. He has made a mansion amidst the ill. And if you and I want to see God, we must go among the broken and the beaten, and there we will see Jesus. Jesus says he will reward those who truly want to find him. That was a promise. Is there anything you did for even the least of my people here? You also did for me. We don't have to journey to heaven to go search for Jesus. Is there anything you did for the least amongst you here? You did for me. That's his plan. The sick, the tested, the prisoner, etc. They are all, do you know, that even some of them are in our congregation. But we look past them. They are in, they are in Africa. They are in Nigeria. Amazingly. So Jesus, in this last judgment, he wasn't demanding unreasonable expectation from us. There are things within our reach. Because God will never, never set an examination outside of the content of what he has taught us. He won't pull that out and say, well, you didn't study this. 
Let me give you another set an example just for you to fail. No, he's going to judge us by what he's already shown us. John chapter 12. Yes. Where to find Jesus? It's in the forgotten. It's in the ignored. Let us look at this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses number 7 to 12. I just really want to encourage and challenge the church to keep up that heart that we have. For the poor, for the less privileged, for Africans, for Nigerians in particular. Second Corinthians chapter 4, from verses 7 to 12. Now, we have this treasure in Clagias. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We're pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We're always carrying the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we, for he, for we who live here are always given over to death, because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirits of faith in accordance with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. Perhaps you read about Kaiser Americans, but I was told of a story of a man a fellow in Philadelphia, not too far from here, who went to the flea markets and found a frame he liked. It was only a couple of bucks. It was a torn and faded, but the guy faded frame, but the guy liked it. He liked the frame, so he bought it. And when he got home, he opened it up and had tumbled a neatly folded sheet of paper. Guess what was that shit? It was a declaration of independence. <laughs> what everyone had thought was a, a $2 painting at the flea market actually contained one of the original 100 copies of the Declaration of Independence printed on July 4th, 1776. Who would have believed that that is where that would be kept? What's the point here? Valuable surprises are discovered. In unlikely places. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's true about the market, the flea market, and it's equally true in life. Yep. When you make an investment in the people the world has cast off, the homeless, the hate patients, the orphans, the divorced, you may discover the source of your independence. And so Jesus' message is tearing. The way to treat people down trodden is the way you treat me. Basically what he's saying. And church, of all the teachings during the last week of Jesus Christ, this one is for me the most penetrating. Mm-hmm. I wish Jesus had said the sign of the saved 
It's the numbers of seven I preached. I've been doing this for 22 years. I wish you would, I would just throw you into heaven. How many numbers of seven have you preached? I, I could go on and on and tell Jesus, I did this, I went here, I preached here, I did that. I wish you had said the sign of the same and the numbers of time have not missed church meeting. Because I'm a full-time minister, so I'm all, I need to always come to meeting, except for the days that I'm sick and travel. I wish he says, how many numbers of sisters have you taken out on dates before you got married? <laughs> oh, I went on date with a lot of sisters. <laughs> or he then tells me, the amount of money I've given to the church. Or the numbers of religious books I've read. So Jesus' words reminded me that the person who sees Christ is the one who sees hot Yes. And to see Jesus, we need as a church to be outside for outside track to have one focus. Yes. We need to go to the convalescent home. We need to sit down beside the elderly woman and steady her hand. A couple of weeks ago in my church, we went to a homeless elderly home, and there we found a 103-year-old woman. She couldn't even eat, she couldn't eat by herself. Somebody had to attend to her. But she was, she, all she does was sing it. She can only, she can sing and praise God. <coughs> it was a sight to behold. And we sat by her side and said, can you pray for us? She was just smiling. You know, when they get old, they look like a baby. <laughs> to see Jesus, go to the community hospital yeah. and ask, ask the nurse, to take you to see one who has received no visitor. Yes. We do that a lot of time in Africa. You go to the hospital and you see in a bed people, you know, crowding around one patient. And then you could see one patient, nobody. Yeah. You could spend one or two hours, nobody comes to show up. Wow. Those are the people we need to reach out to. Yes. To see Jesus, we need to go to the inner city and give a meal, not a sermon. But they kneel to the bad lady who has made a home out of an overpass. To see Jesus, I want you guys to come back to Nigeria. Come back, come to Abuja, come to Lagos to see Jesus. There you will see people extremely poor yet they love God. They are sick but they love God. They have challenges in life but they love You will never see it written on their faces. They just love God. That's where you find Jesus. To see Jesus, see the unattractive, and see the forgotten. The great things are packaged in an unusual places. Or how do you how do you imagine the following that I was speaking about? How do you imagine Jesus Christ in a manger? If you have a right to determine where the Lord, the Savior, the God of creation should be born, where will he have been born? Which hospital will you mention that he will have, have been born in New York? Look at the prince of England. When they're about to have another prince, they go to the best hospital. Yeah. But our Lord, Savior, God was born in manger. How did Jesus come from Nazareth? Remember what Philip said or what Nathaniel said? 
So can anything good come from this place? How could he be born in Bethlehem of Judea? Of all women in the world, how could Mary, the mother of Jesus, be the one to give birth to Jesus? In 2009, I went to Jerusalem, Israel, and we were on the Sea of Galilee. And they pointed where the mother of Jesus came from, one tiny village. And Israel will tell you, if you are looking for the most beautiful men in the world, that's where they reside there. They are born from that village. How could God come from inside of a human being? How could the, the created change that past for the creator? Yeah. How do you imagine that? How do you imagine you, and I mean yes, you, to be called a temple of the living God? Yes. Who are you to be the temple, a place where God dwells? That's right. It doesn't make sense. But the fact is that great things, great things are packing on regular places. Mm, yes. We don't even know ourselves. That's what John says. We're yet to know who we are. But when Christ will appear, we will know who we are. Yes. That you are far more important before God and before the angels that you think of yourself. If you know your value before God, you won't allow, you won't allow anything to get you to depress you. Remember, like I said, that day is coming. Yes. And God is preparing us as we ourselves have obligation to prepare ourselves because that day will suddenly come. And I pray that we'll all make it there. Yes. I pray we'll be on that right side. We'll be the sheep and not the goat on that day. Come on, but bro. if we want to make it there, do not forget, this is a sign of the same. That's right. What was the last time you visited the prison? When last did you give food to the hungry? Mm -hmm. It's all about you thinking about yourself and yourself, and you're not thinking about so many people that do not have one, one thousand of what you have. That's right. Let's get a half body focus. We're praying for Staten Island. We love you guys because we know you love us. But we want you to do well spiritually. And to do well spiritually is to look beyond yourself. That's right. That's Jesus, right. Amen. even on the cross, was still selling. He was thinking of others than he was thinking of himself. That's right. Let's prepare for that day. <coughs> and we'll all see you that day and we'll give a big hug to one another. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Amen.